Genre. Welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we review, discuss, and analyze the film Back to the Future, part three. One mind-hiding minute at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez in the news. I'm Scott Corelli, and joining us again is A.G. Adasso. Welcome back. Hey, everybody. And today we are going all the way back to minute nine, which begins with... Uh, Doc learning about how Doc ended up in 1885 and ends with uh, some very specific instructions as to uh, what to do with the time machine, with mm-hmm. the DeLorean. Uh, yeah, so right off the bat, he is very excited. Doc is really, really excited about the idea of him becoming a blacksmith and shoeing horses and fixing wagons. And he's just like, wow, I'm 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 in I'm living in 1885. This is amazing. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know, man. You were born in 1914. Like, <laughs> you weren't really born that much after the old West, to be totally honest. Like, like wow, me living in 1987. <laughs> right. I mean, it. Like it's, it's, it's a- it depends on which which of the the paracanon details you go with because I've been I've been using 1920 as his birth date because I think that might have been a detail from the novelization and I just kind of so there you have some people going with 1914 and some people favoring 1920 I don't know I just I find it interesting Yeah well I I take the game as canon and so oh, in see. order to take the game as canon I think you have to be 1914 because otherwise he'd be like 8 in the game, and that doesn't really yeah, check out. No, I, I guess I guess I'm one of the people that looks at, at the films more as canon than the game. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Sure. Thing. Sure. Um. I. But then. But then. In, by that argument, I don't know that I would really count the novelization as canon. Oh so. no! I. It's just that. Um. Yeah. I think that's where that that year came from. If I'm not, I okay. don't know. I could be misremembering. Well, in any in any event, I mean, 1920 is only like. 20 years away from the old West. And he just talks about it. Like, well, that was like a hundred years ago. It it wasn't for you. This is 1955. It wasn't that long ago, really. And I swear any other person probably would have been really disconcerted to learn that they end up as a blacksmith in 1885. But instead he's, he's weirdly um, elated about it almost. And it's kind of a nice counterbalance because in the background, you can just see Marty thinking, oh my God, he's stuck back there. Anything could kill him. There are diseases. There are people with gut, you know? And so it's, it, as Jock's getting more and more excited, Marty's just uh, concerned. Mm-hmm. Well, and, 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 you know, this all starts where he says that in the letter, he says that he's a blacksmith to, uh, he was like hiding out as a blacksmith so that he could figure out how to fix the time machine. Mm-hmm. And he realized that there are replacement parts that he needs that won't be invented until 1947. Right. And what's interesting to me is is two things. One, I, he just immediately is like, okay, so 1947. So I might as well just shove the car in a cave and just <laughs> – let it wait it out and give it to Marty as a present in 1955. 
Um, which, you know, fair enough. Cool. Sure, why not? But the other thing is just that, dude, you're an inventor. Just invent the parts that you need. <laughs> like, right. I'm sure you understand how they work. So why can't you just make them from scratch? And and maybe he's worried about inventing something before it's oh, they're supposed to be invented. Right. But it's not like he's inventing them to make them commercially available. Right. And I want to. I want to think that he probably tried. Maybe he did spend a number of months trying and then finally just said, oh, okay, I can't come up with these. Here's when they're going to come out. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, how do you invent plastic like by yourself? You know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, but I, uh, I mean, you know, most science might as well just be magic to me. So, I, I just I'm I kind of see Doc as a science magician, sure. basically. I'm interested to see what comes out in 1947 that he needs. Yeah, because that's still pretty far in the past to me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Some sort of probably some kind of like circuit or battery or something. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe know. this is where that steampunk. Uh, DeLorean that we talked about on No Roads comes into play, Scott. Yeah. Well, but that's the thing, right? So it 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 has to be uh, because in the last minute he said that the lightning strike uh, caused a, a, gig, a, a gigawatt overload, scrambled the time circuits, which sorted those out and destroyed the flying circuits. Right. So... Mm-hmm. This must be, I you know, I, I don't know if he's talking about parts to repair the time circuits because it can't be that because he builds time circuits from scratch mm-hmm. right? when he invents the train later. So it has to be something about the DeLorean itself, right? About the vehicle. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Right. right. But it also says something about Marty's role in Doc's uh, as Doc's sort of muse in a way, because he gave up on the idea of the DeLorean working in 1885. And then as soon as Marty shows up, he's like, all right, well, let's roll up our sleeves and figure this out. Yeah. Like maybe without Marty, like the, the spark was gone. Yeah. The joy to create. Yeah. The joy to create. Cause he had no one to show it to. Mm-hmm. So going to well, show mean- the, the horse. Right. I mean, Marty's just so completely receptive to to everything that Doc has ever put before him, you know, and 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 vice versa too. They just they're one of those those sort of rare, stable, like closed loops of trust and wonder. They just kind of feed each other indefinitely. Hmm. So yeah. So then he says that uh, you know he he hid the. He hid the DeLorean in Delgado in the Delgado mine, which is like an abandoned mine near the Boot Hill Cemetery, and uh, which is a convenient location for the mine for plot reasons. Indeed, which we'll, we'll get into. I, I, I just I love that you know if they're like, look, we know it's a ridiculous place for a mine, but we need it to work this way. So this is our this is our best attempt at setting that up. So that it doesn't feel so ridiculous when it happens later. I feel like Man, that must come... have been controversial when they first started working on that mine. 
We've come to expect these little conveniences and coincidences. It's 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 such a built-in feature of this universe that we don't really even mm-hmm. question it anymore. Yeah, like it feels thematically resonant, or it feels mm-hmm. thematically like right. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's breaking the rules. Like it just no. feels like part of Back to the Future. Yeah, it's not like in Dark Knight Rises when all of a sudden everybody just started acting stupid. <laughs> right. Oh man. um uh so yeah so then the thing that uh, aj talked about last minute happens in this minute where marty finds the car uh from the from the model experiment in the trash bin uh which is just that's a fun that's just a really fun little oh little thing and i don't know whose idea that was i don't know if that was because i'm sure it wasn't in the script it was probably you know, something that the prop people thought up and and told mm-hmm. Marty. Because I imagine Michael J. Fox was just, like, looking for th- fun things to do in the background yeah. of this mm-hmm. scene. Um, and, and any way that he could divert attention from Doc's monologue at all, uh, yeah. you know, he was probably a, a fan of. Because yeah. I imagine, like, as an actor, you're just sort of like, what am I supposed to do in this scene, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so fun because, like, the great thing about that, it, I mean, it reminds me a lot of when, like, Finn finds Luke's old training droid in Force Awakens, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the cool thing about that moment when he pulls up the little car is, like, were people, was Back to the Future on video at that point? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay, because yeah, I, so. I, like, I was like, how many people had we even got that in the theater, you know? Yeah, because because yeah. when it came on video, that's when it would say to be continued at the end, and that's how people knew that there was going to be sequels. Right, right, right. So there could be kids that like watched the VHS every day. Oh yeah, yeah. And absolutely, re- and recognized like oh, red car. Absolutely, yeah. and it's funny that you mentioned the Finn thing with the with the the training ball because he then sits down and plays chess with Copernicus, oh, which wow. yeah, yeah, which is you know like the chess. Thing on the on the Falcon, so yeah. uh, you know the 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 car is not unlike the training ball because that's kind of what it was it was like a training mm-hmm. thing simulation, and uh, and then and then he sits down to play chess with uh, with the dog, as you do. Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Doc is really offended this is sort of like the big note i have on this minute doc is really offended at the prospect of destroying the car and you have to look at it from his perspective because from his perspective he hasn't even invented this thing yet (laughs) yeah and And he's being told that it's going to be destroyed by his own future self no less Right. So at that point, as Doc in 1955, I can't help but wonder, should I even invent this thing to begin with? Like, what's the point? <laughs> like, I would be really going through an existential crisis like, like if I was destroyed. 1955 Doc at this point. It's like what's the seen- point of anything? Yeah, like you, you've seen the entire timeline of this thing you're going to make from beginning to end. Yeah, it's just it's a really it's a weird moment, I think, because I I just like what would happen if Doc didn't invent the time machine now? If this Doc didn't invent the time oh, machine. Oh, yeah, like if that just killed his momentum. Would it, yeah. Would it, would it be one of those big 
catastrophic, the universe is going to end type moments like we see in part two? A paradox? I think it might yeah. be. Yeah, because like if... Okay, okay, like l- l- let's put this in like an artist's perspective because then that's where we're more comfortable. Is like mm-hmm. if, if you were a writer... And you were like, I'm going to write this book. I have a passion. I I need to tell this story. And then someone from the future tells you that that book sells like two copies mm-hmm. and it bankrupts you and you never write anything again. Like, would you still write it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I really, I really don't. I mean, but in that case, you know, the book isn't going to destroy the universe. That's yeah, true. that's true. Probably not. Yeah. So th- that's that's maybe that's maybe and, a bad comparison, an and, unfair comparison. And and most most writers have to face, you know, face the fact that probably about 80 to 90% of their total life's output, they either won't be able to sell it or they'll try and never sell it. So, you know, every word put down, you kind of just say, "Oh well, this is part of the process." Mhm. What if like do you think if someone from like now went back in time and told like Heisenberg or like Oppenheimer mm-hmm. like hey dude you like this thing you created is still kind of like it's like the worst thing that's ever been done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like would they still make the atomic bomb? Good question. I don't know. Then what would happen if the atomic bomb was never invented? How much longer would World War II have lasted, you know? I don't know. See, this is the kind of existential crisis I feel like <laughs> Doc, 1955 yeah. Doc would be going through. Uh, because, because I mean, the other question is, is the whole paradox question. Because in the instance of the first film, which is, you know, the the inarguably the the movie with the cleanest plot of mm-hmm. of the three if if marty doesn't fix the timeline he will cease to exist yeah right and so what he has changed has a direct result on himself however as we know now he changed things in the past which means that the him that he sees going back in time at Lone Pine Mall at the end of Back to the Future is a different Marty who lived a different life. Mm-hmm. And so if this doc, who is a different doc, because this is not the doc that he got to know in uh, Back to the Future. This is the doc that met Beta Marty mm-hmm. and uh, had this Marty kind of like storm in the background of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh so this is a different doc. So if this doc doesn't decides not to de- to invent the DeLorean, <clears throat> does that affect this Marty or does it just seal him in time? Hmm. Where he's no longer part of this endless spiral of timelines. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know the answer. Uh, <laughs> I don't neither do neither do I. <laughs> I don't know the answer. Uh, it's an interesting question, so uh, I'll put it to our listeners to try to try to help us through this when they get to it. Um, Tell us. Other than that, uh, ending on a on a mo- on a beat of existentialism, 
Uh, I think that's all I've got for this. Yeah. What yeah, mistakes have good. you guys made in your lives? Oh, <laughs> where do I it. begin? All right. Well, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, happy Thor's Day. And yeah. uh, we will see you tomorrow. All right. See you tomorrow. Bye.